0: You are listening to the voice of Ahlul Sunnah Wal Jama. an Muhammad Rasulullah Asalamu Alaikum warahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome to another edition of Business Matters with me, your host Alamine Templeton, on this a freezing cold uh, Yoma Atulata. Yes, it is now already Tuesday night. Well I suppose all of the non Muslims, this is Monday night, but no, the day begins when the sun goes down. Hmm? Makes sense, you know. But one day, you know, the sun is like you know, this is a representative of the day when the sun goes down. Well, then it's a, it's a new day, it's the end of the day. Right, so uh, another day has started. And, uh, well, Iran is continuing its uh, storming uh, attack, assault against all of the major currencies around the world like it's on steroids or something uh, lately um, against all major currencies. That's as uh, international markets continue pricing in expectations that there's going to be three interest rate cuts in the United States this year, probably taking interest rates there in the indispensable economy of the world from 2.75% to 2%, underlining the fact that the U.S. economy is so weak that there's just no ways, that even though they're supposed to be increasing interest rates, they cannot afford that. And uh, basically, I suppose, in many ways, is uh, they're saying to the world, well, we've got a right to print as much money as we like, and you must continue accepting our currency as a real currency. Well, I say, you know, as long as that is the state of play among the world's big economies, I think they all collectively view themselves as being the indispensable economies you know, the United States, European Union, Russia, Japan, and mainland China. There, the uh, they are the um, quantitative easing economies. The um, are, there, are, there, are they stagnating? Well, you can't call China a stagnating economy. It's still growing at a furious rate. Well, they say it's been it's the lowest rate of growth in like 20 years. But, you know, 6 to 6.5% uh GDP growth, while the United States is like cheering and jumping up and down, they've got 3% growth, you know, I double the growth rate of the United States, double the growth rate of any country in the European Union. So I guess we can't call them a mistaken economy at the moment. However, China is facing a massive demographic problem, just like the United States. China embarking on its one-child policy for like something like 30 to 40 years, and as a result of this, it's also, it's also given itself um, a sort of a, a flower power generational gap, which uh, translates into a pension funding gap for future obligations. The United States passed a, a, a trillion dollars in terms of uh, the gap between uh, their future obligations and the ability to meet them, meaning that in the future there's not going to be any, well, there's not going to be enough money. To go around, uh, that they're going to have to reduce the benefits that uh, people are getting out of their pension funds. People are no longer going to be able to rely on their pension funds like they used to. I guess that's an idea that we've all like woken up to. It's a very cold reality. We many of us have been living with for the uh, past 15, uh, 10 to fifteen years. Um, South Africa, of course, in a very different kind of situation. Uh, if you consider our 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 pension. Saving population, uh, you know, um, taxation laws of taxation, uh, laws of company and uh, property are all kind of like um, predicated to supporting uh, the nuclear family. Um, you know, you can uh, you can you get fantastic uh, tax benefits if uh, you increase the amount of money you're saving in. Um, uh, official pension funds every year. Uh, you can get, I think, it's like something up to thirty-seven uh, percent reduction of your of of your taxable amount. Um, so, uh, de- despite all of this, you know, our state has been uh, trying to support the nuclear family, and in many ways, the nuclear family is unsustainable. It's, it's not just a reliable foundation for your economy, uh, but China, just like the United States. Uh, United States, well, they invented the pool and had the flower power generation in the 1960s. From then onward, people started uh, engaging in what they like to call responsible breeding, you know, only having one child. You know, you've got to look after the planet, you know. You've got to think about your old age, you know. Uh, This is the way people started thinking. In fact, the thinking is predicated on the fact that you can trust banks more than you can your children to look after you in your old age. That's basically what it boils down to. Everyone has got a choice between relying on their children or the banks to look after them in the old age. And it would appear that in the West, well, they've said, "Well, you know, we can't we can't afford, we can't afford to rely on our children." They might turn out to be just like us, <laughs> and so they said, "Well, in that case, uh, you know, we are going to have to uh, put all of our money handed over to the banks, and they look after us." Yeah, well, it's good to see. And I can go and have a look at what Alexander Forbes was doing uh, with pension fund money. Um, Vuyan and Gowana, about 10 years ago, they had to shut Vuyan and Gowana down, the pension fund's adjudicator, because uh, he discovered that they had been stealing millions and millions and millions of rands of pensioners' money. Basically taking a of of small little pension funds, pulling them together with a much bigger fund now, you know, the aggregate fund, you can now go and get a much more competitive interest rate. Then the, the difference between the interest rate that the individual funds were getting and the interest rate you're getting, you keep that difference. Alexander Forbes and all the pension fund administrators were keeping that money. I only say Alexander Forbes because Alexander Forbes was the only one that was investigated. And Alexander Forbes, they had to pay over billions of rands and uh, went into bankruptcy, went into business rescue. Like the biggest pension fund administrator in the country went into business rescue. There they shut Vujana and Gowana down and said, thank you very much. There's your check, one of the brightest black men in the country. He said, "Okay, fine, back into private practice for me again then. Uh, Yeah. Although I think in many ways the kind of people who surround uh, Jacob Zuma's presidency are the kind of people who don't like people like Voyan and Gowana because Voyan and Gowana can actually do the job. Whereas it seems like Jacob Zuma excelled in surrounding himself with incompetence. Um, so you see, incompetence breeds incompetence. Uh, when you fill up your department with a whole bunch of useless people, the person they're going to hate the most is the guy amongst them who can do the job. You know, He's always going to be showing them up. He's always going to be uh, calling them out. Even if he doesn't want to, inadvertently, just by doing his job, he's going to expose them as being corrupt and useless. Yeah, so anyway, um, in many ways, uh, you know, our civil service is repulsive for people with ability and talent, uh, and the way things stack up, very very often the last kind of person that's going to fulfill uh, the, job, uh, the job requirements uh, advertised in the newspapers, the very last person is going to fulfill those requirements are the educated ones, are the ones who actually have the qualifications simply because corruption uh, doesn't like anything else but itself as a companion. So anyway, on the JSE today, uh, we see that we are in green territory once again, up nearly half a percentage point, uh, up 0.45% uh, on the day, 5753723 uh, all, they, uh, that's the All Share Index. Uh, the top forty on fifty one thousand four hundred forty seven point two five. It's exactly half a half percent up, half percentage point up. And uh, yes, the uh, the rand is trading thirteen ninety two to the dollar, seventeen forty two to the pound, and fifteen sixty eight to the euro. Whereas gold is trading a thousand four hundred twelve dollars forty five a fine ounce. Goal keeping its uh, keeping its uh, levels above a thousand four hundred, uh, for me indicates well. Like you know, if you consider that, like sort of uh, five, four, or five weeks ago we we're in a thousand two hundred and eighty, now we're in a thousand four hundred and twelve. So that's a major leap in terms of uh, you know. If you want to see that as a gauge of risk, that would uh, indicate that the world, the world's investors have said. Well, you know, everyone's making all kinds of noises in the world economy nowadays. Um, We're just going to park a little bit of our investments in gold anyway, you know. We don't know how long the trade war between the United States and China is going to go. Is it going to last as long as the Cold War between Russia and the United States? Mm, There's a strong likelihood that it could um european union ineffectual and rudderless and leaderless as it has been for so long angela merkel's time is coming to an end and uh you know you've got these suave kind of uh good-looking smooth-shaven guys who keep on popping up with uh you know um um a mentored np kind of smile for the world and um they don't seem to have much else besides that to offer, other than uh, good looks and, uh, you know, kind of like a poster boy appeal. Uh, the leaders of Russia don't appear, to, I mean, of the European Union, but don't appear to have much direction. Uh, they put together a deal that solved the Iranian nuclear crisis, and America comes along and says, Hey, we're it out. You know, now when it comes to salvaging that deal or standing up for it or standing by it, as they watch uh, potential nuclear conflagrations starting to happen at the bottom of their garden, um, no one stepping up to the plate is either say we need to go one way or the other. Either we're going to have to go full ball behind the United States or we're going to have to go full ball behind the nuclear deal. But we can't just sit here dithering. Uh, and it would appear that dithering is the, the 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 first, the number one option for Europe's politicians. Um, Iran is calling out, saying, "Yeah, you have to stand by your your commitments." And the European Union saying, mm. "That's all it's saying. It's just saying. Mm. It's not saying anything else. It's kind of like, well, you know, we're trying to find an alternative um, trade um, trading platform that we can." We can sell things on and uh, we hope it's going to work. Uh, They don't say if it doesn't going to work, well, then we're, you know, Europe isn't standing up. There's no unified voice. And, of course, the corporations without any kind of like political clout behind them are not going to stand up against the United States sanctions. No, 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 no board member or chief executive is going to argue that it's, well, in the interest of fiduciary duty, we're going to risk American sanctions and sell Iranian oil. No one's going to do that. No one's going to do You'll be taken to court. Your shareholders will take you to court. And they'll prove that it's not in the fiduciary interest of the co- corporation to sell Iranian oil. That is where we stand at the moment. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, biggest winners on the JSE today. I saw it was also the biggest winner on Friday. Hmm. Maybe I should actually start looking at, at, at manganese um, assets then. Uh Transcap is the second biggest winner today. Uh African Rainbow Minerals. Kumba Bi- Kumba Iron Ore and MTN. So there's uh three um three miners uh in the top five. Top five losers, Aspen, oh boy, really, it's uh it's debt woes continue dogging it and uh it looks as though it's having a really hard time. Uh, finding assets that are sellable and winnable in terms of digging it south out of its debt hole. Vivo again, that's the uh, retailer of Shell service stations in the rest of Africa, excluding South Africa. Uh, also a big loser, the fourth biggest loser, Tsogo Sun, a former um, uh, Southern Sun Hotels. Uh, they now, they're, they're now the hotel division. They've spun out their their their, their gambling interests there, so um, you could actually um, well I don't know I wonder I I suppose yeah it doesn't make it more attractive um, I suppose it does in a way to to Muslim investors there's no more gambling uh, in the Togo Sun share anymore they've uh, they've um, what do you call it they 've divested they, they 've separated uh, the assets into two separate companies, and now gaming and gambling is uh, is, is a separate company listed on the JSE. Uh, Barlow world the uh, retailer of yellow equipment for the menu, for the construction sector another big loser uh, yeah well construction sector woes continue uh, in south Africa uh, not much sign of any big uh, public uh, infrastructure developments, and uh, so everyone is sitting on their hands. You know, um, it's like uh, that World Cup corruption has come back and has bitten everyone. The government doesn't want to get involved with construction companies, and the construction companies are not getting any. Um, are not getting any big uh, contracts, and that's uh, that, that. That is always a big problem. Uh, Pepco uh, is the fifth biggest loser on the JSE today. Right then, now then, uh, in, in wider news, well, as we say, uh, the United States going into interest, uh, interest rate cutting mode, dovish mode, as they say, uh, means uh, that, yeah, the outlook has improved significantly for uh, emerging markets. Um, money continues to flow into emerging markets, mainly because they're chasing yield. Uh, because of quantitative easing, not allowing um, $9 trillion worth of money uh, handed out uh, to their buddies. Corona capitalism in the United States. Just go and uh, speak to um, Chrysler, you know, Chrysler, Ford, you know, you can say these names, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Oh mm. all, 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 all of those uh, corporate logos, you know, that the uh, U.S. Marines tattoo onto their foreheads when they're going into war in Muslim countries. Uh, well, it's not really a war. I mean, you know, um, uh, shutting uh, civilian areas at point-blank range, going and machine gunning pregnant mothers to death. So that's not really war, is it? I mean, war requires, like, soldiers who's, whose lives are at risk, you know. Um, Wars are fought by people who are fighting for ideals, not for people who are fighting for their pensions. You go and ask, I reckon a good uh, 75% of uh, all men and women serving in the U.S. military, and you will ask them, why did you sign up to the military? And they'll say, because I could get a pension. That's what living in a nuclear family economy does. You know, when you're looking at being look, looked after in your old age by the banks rather than your children. You start asking yourself, well, then why should I have children in the first place? Of course, that that, that is something. That is, in actual fact, a question that uh, millennials are asking themselves. Uh, Generation Zedders are asking themselves. Generation Zombie. You know, uh, people are saying that um, after Generation X, you had the yuppies. Then you had Generation X. Generation X started having millennials. And then millennials started having snowflakes. And then snowflakes started having Generation Z. Like it's the last generation. The question on every, every generation zombie's lips is, does the future really exist? Mm. You know? Uh there is there 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 is no um, event horizon for them. They can't kind of like look out into the future and see possibilities. I'm sure that uh, most children nowadays, when they when they look at the world at the mess that their children that their parents have made of the world, they must really ask themselves. You know, they keep on saying there be the future, but I don't think there's a future. Huh? Do you think there's really a future? Do you think the future exists? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is the state of the world. Um, their parents are busily trying to save up for their pensions. They're not, they're not working for, to make the world a better place for their children, for their grandchildren. They're not thinking of them to themselves, I wonder what kind of world my grandchildren are going to live in. I wonder what I can do to make the lives of my grandchildren easier. They're thinking, how am I going to be able to get through to the end of the month? I've already spent the entire paycheck, and now we need milk and bread. That's what most people are thinking when they're thinking about family planning. Hmm? They're thinking, how am I going to get through till the end of the month? That is Western family planning for you. Let's think generations ahead. Oh, sorry, we can't do that right now. I can't get over the fact that a loaf of brown bread is costing 14 rand in the sparser shops. Although you can get it at like 6 rand 99 in Chequers in Linasia. Very nice, you know, um, uh, the, the big supermarket chains. Uh, they sell pressed bread below cost because I know it's a staple. Have you you noticed, they put it like right at the back of the supermarket, so you've got to walk past everything else, you know, and hopefully pick up things and put them in your basket as you're heading to go buy the bread. Unless, of course, you're like my wife, you kind of like blindfold your husband, give him a a boot in the brisket and uh, send him in there, and you tell him you don't look at anything until you can feel bread in your hands. Then you come back out again. I'll be, I'll be waiting. She goes and stands in the queue so that you've already got a spot by the time you get back. Okay, right. So anyway, <clears throat> coming up in the show: uh, tax man goes over state capture millions at last. Hurricanes in the Gulf. Is it a storm in the teacup for oil prices? Footgear to take over Edgar's active stores. Uh, boy, at least some good news on the Edgar's front. Tonga chief executive is actually up to his neck in Tonga's dwindling shares. You know, if there's ever a, a sign that the well, the chief executive wasn't fiddling the books, you know, when when suddenly a great big scam is uncovered, and uh, you find your 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 chief executive, uh, uh, the, the the company's shares like fall through the floor, and the chief executive kind of like pipes up three months later. that, well, in actual fact, I've still got like 15 million of, of the shares in the company. And, well, that's the way it is with the, the Tonga chief executive. Gwede has gone and put a nuclear on the map. We have a look at our, at our energy mix and our mining mix in, in the, under, under Gwede Mantashe. Uh, Nedbank says, listen, if you want to fix ESCOM, give it the cash now. Don't draw out this long, drawn out process of now we're going to, we're first going to have to divide it up in three and then uh, we're going to have to call for submissions in terms of uh, giving other bondholders alongside the public investment corporation an opportunity to swap their bonds for, for shares. Everyone must be given an equal opportunity to do so, and, you know, we don't want any bias. And um, and then only once, like, we've gone through the whole political, excruciatingly painful process of breaking up ESCOM operationally into three different divisions. It's not breaking it up into three separate companies, just three separate divisions. It's an operational split it's not a corporate split. It's not an ownership split. Uh, but if you go and have a look at the enronization of the world's economies uh, ever since 2000, um, uh, you'll find they've got exactly the same thing going on in Bangladesh, exactly the same kind of thing going on in Pakistan, exactly the same kind of thing going on in India and if you go and look at many other economies around the world you'll find the enronization of those economies all is also very well developed you know a, an economy has been enronized if they start start talking about things like yeah you know the electricity grid and uh, we, need, we 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 need to start doing load shedding or um we need to start closing our plants for um for uh what do you call it Oh dear! You know when words just slip out of your head. You turn fifty and suddenly, like they start leaking out of your ear when you go to sleep at night. Um, yeah, the um for maintenance, closing down plants for maintenance and so on. You see those kinds of things, then you must know. Ah, uh, you know where they when you see them say, no, no, we need to de- we need to start dividing our um our energy company into transmission, generation. And Distribution. As soon as you see those kinds of things, you must know it's inronization is taking place. And uh, the politicians are starting to make money out of selling the silverware. Um, so, yeah, Ned Bank reckons, listen. Instead of like waiting, going through that whole process, it's going to be like four years down the line. And uh, only then will we have maybe have managed to split ESCOM operationally, would have managed to pay off the trade unionists, you know, always claiming they're working for a socialist society. Well, well you know, they've got their, their hand permanently out waiting for the boss to, to pay them the bribe so that they don't go and strike and sell out the workers. Yeah, well, that's the, 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 that's the trade union movement. I can remember once a week from the road accident fund, <clears throat> we were coming up against uh, the uh, the the law associations were like pushing for the right to charge charge in excess of uh, the twenty five percent cap on uh, contingency fees. That's like the lawyers, you know, they they, they take a twenty five percent cut of of the take. You're like you know, they go and represent people. It's a dead cert. The guy's like you know, it's quadriplegic. It's a very clear cut case. Uh, but uh, the the road accident fund is is objecting because they're trying to drive down uh, lawyers' costs. And uh, you know, it's everyone knows uh, that there's, there's a, this is a clear cut case. You can go and you can go get a clear cut case. Do very little work for it. Normally the work you would get like maybe uh, twenty thousand rand. You know, okay, fine. So there's a business road accident case. You pump it up to ninety thousand rand. That's what you would normally get out of the case. You know, with with normal legal corruption. Uh, but the, no, no. South Africa's lawyers didn't want that. Uh, South Africa's lawyers preferred to be ambulance chasers rather than real lawyers. You see, and the overwhelming majority of uh, of lawyers just like uh, turned into ambulance chasers and uh, like vultures uh, for their clients. Um, uh, this is the reason why around the world, you know, contingency fees aren't allowed. They're outlawed by the common law. And so it was here in South Africa as well. But we had a major backlog there that, that we had to try and undo. Uh, black people not represented at all. You know, um, 25% limit if you're in a minibus taxi and you're caught in an accident. The most you can get out is 25,000 rands. It doesn't matter if you're paraplegic for life. So anyway, there I was working for the Road Accident Fund, and uh, we've got this court case against the lawyers. And uh, we were told, yeah, no, we need, we need to get some like uh, some supporters outside uh, calling out the lawyers for being crooks. Uh, so we went, and uh, I think it was, uh, I don't think it was even the Transport and General Workers Union. Uh, it was, I think it was Samu. I think we got Samu. We actually bribed Samu. We took uh, around about 10,000 rands and uh, chucked it at a trade union and told them, come bring some of your workers out to the court and, you know, dance and scream and shout outside while the court case is on. Okay, thank you very much. Then, of course, we ran into problems another road accident fund. Says, no, we, we, we can pay you this money. Uh, This this, this is not part of our budget. We can't budget You're going to have to cover it. Boy, did that cause an argument. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's how trade unions work. That's the trade unions for you claim to be working for a socialist uh, future. But in actual fact, you know, a trade union is as much a corporation as Anglo-American. Trade union must get registered as a non-for-profit section 21, whatever they want to call it nowadays. Yeah, it must be registered as a corporation, just like just like Anglo American. Casato is as much a corporation as is Anglo American. Mm. Yeah, as is the, uh, the Freya Front Plus is as much a trade union as Casato is a corporation. They are all the same thing, basically. All right, so, uh, right, okay. Prices soaring in Zim on the new currency, local and U.S. interest rates. Uh, Going to take a, take, a take a quick comparison on that if we have enough time. Going to have to go for a quick commercial break. Uh, just a word from our sponsors. Inshallah, we'll be back in a moment. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jamaah. Well, we said before the break that uh, the tax man is going to start going after um, people who've been named in the state capture inquiry, as well as the PIC inquiry and several other inquiries that are undergo at the moment. And uh, it's really good news that uh, South African Revenue Service Acting Commissioner Mark Kingen uh, will be assisting SARs, SARs inspectors, as well as the hawks, and the National Prosecuting Authority to check into the tax affairs. Of people who've been mentioned, uh, I suppose, um, uh, Gavin, uh, what's his name? Head of Basasa. Um, oh boy, I can't remember. Gavin, uh, oh boy, uh, Wilson. No, 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 it begins with a W. Anyway, uh, the head of Basasa. Um, I can't believe I've I've forgotten the guy's name. I've got a friend whose surname is exactly the same. Anyway, so a whole lot of people are going to be investigated. Uh, And the fact that they've got got Mark Kingan to overlook over the whole thing means that they're serious about it. The fortunate thing about uh, getting the tax man involved, you see, uh, with the hawks... With the National Prosecuting Authority, they need to build a watertight case. But having a taxman on board means they can get to work on these individuals almost immediately. You see, the thing is that uh, the Hawks and the National Prosecuting Authority have to build a criminal case. They have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the facts that they aver are true and the overwhelming weight of evidence must be against the accused. That means that the state usually has to work a little harder uh, than the accused in order to get a conviction. Of course, let's say that's entirely appropriate, uh, given uh, the fact that the state has got all of the resources behind it, funded by taxpayers' money. Uh, and so the owner should be, uh, it makes sense that the owner should be on the state to prove the guilt beyond reasonable doubt. But the fact that you've got the taxman there able to make a tax claims and say you must pay this money back, they can make those claims immediately. Uh, the taxman doesn't have to prove beyond reasonable doubt. Uh, you see, it is up to you, it's up to me as taxpayers uh, that we... If we have an objection, if the, if, uh, if, uh, if if the, if the taxman rejects our tax assessment, then we have to go to court and prove that our assessment is right. It's not up to the, the, the taxman to prove that his rejection is right. You have to go to court and prove that your tax assessment is an accurate and true one. So one, that removes the burden of proof uh, from the state. And two, it means that you have to start paying the money immediately. Even if you appeal, even if you appeal your, your tax assessment, you have to pay the money. You're only, if you're successful in your appeal, only then will you get your money back. Yeah, you know, the tax man really likes to weigh things unfairly in his favor, doesn't he? So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it means... That uh, um, many of the people who have been named could find themselves sweating a lot sooner than anticipated. Um, the understatement penalty, in terms of the Tax Administration Act, is 150 percent for intentional tax evasion. Of course, it's different from tax avoidance. Avoidance means that you you are managing your business in a way to limit your tax your taxable bill, rather than um, deliberately structuring your business in such a way as to avoid paying tax. Um, it's a, well, one is merely tweaking with your operational procedures, and one is undertaking a material change uh, so as to avoid liability for tax. So anyway, so if you deliberately uh, avoid, um, evade tax, you will have to pay up 150%. So, you're like, say, you, um, so you owe a thousand rands tax and you evade it and you get caught, you're going to have to pay a thousand five hundred rand extra. So, you'll end up paying two thousand five hundred rands instead of one thousand rands. Uh, the process of recovering tax and penalty on the fruits of state capture is much simpler than getting a conviction in a criminal court. Sars is empowered to raise an estimated assessment based on the evidence before the State Capture Commission of Inquiry and then charge the penalty. Done. Easy. Right, the guy says, well, uh, they, where they they said they wanted $600 million. I gave them $600 Well, What's the tax on $600 million? 45%. Uh, $600 million, that's $300 million, uh Plus uh, uh, 60, $360 million. And, uh, yeah, so you see, it's a, it's a, it's all easily quantifiable, you know. The taxman just needs to get her a gig. Basically, you could almost say it's a guesstimate, and uh, and uh, and then it is going to be have to be up to the name person to prove that his tax affairs are all in order. Well, one of the reasons why the gold price remains high is, I think, in many ways, the same reason why the oil price is remaining above sixty dollars a barrel. Of course, is the international oil prices, not the Brent crude price. Uh, apparently, um, not Brent crude, uh, Texas Intermediate, uh, which is sold, I think, out of Atlanta. Um, yeah, so they're they nearly $60 a barrel in the States. That's where they need to get their, their oil prices up in order to uh, make fracking profitable. Um, at the moment, uh, they're still struggling. Uh, despite having um, uh, storm Barry blowing through the Gulf of Mexico, as I said on friday it 's amazing i 'm a meteorologist as well as everything else. I said, "Who wants a bet Barry is not going to do anything to any oil wells in the Gulf of Mexico, and so it has proved to be you see all, all, all of the all of the oil platforms in the Gulf of Mexico. You see these oil men um, they, they, they can see the benefit of like restricting production in order to push the price up, and then you get paid more for less uh, so as these uh, as, this, um, as, as this breath of wind started moving across the Gulf of Mexico last uh, to late last week, they pulled everything everyone off the oil rigs now of course, the storm has blown through and has done nothing, and now they 're saying well now we, we, we're starting to return our workers to the oil rigs again. <clears throat> and so, of course, the, the the price of oil goes up. But how many times can you pull your workers off the oil rigs before people start calling it out? Uh, the United States has had a hard time uh, trying to like talk up the price of oil. Uh, of course, uh, and you you don't know. I mean, is it's is it's madness? Is the madness uh, of King Don uh, a result of a need to push up oil prices? In terms of meddling with Iran? Or does he genuinely see Iran as a threat? I can't see how he can, he can genuinely see Iran as a threat. He's got Iran surrounded with US bases. Iran has got, uh, is now enriching uranium above 4%. Now, you know, to get it up to weapons grade, you have to enrich uranium up to around about 95%. So you see where Iran right now. You know, when it is saying that, well, we are going to increase our enrichment of uranium above the restricted levels. It's just 4% is where they are at the moment. It allows them to make medical isotopes and to um, uh, get uranium that will work in uh, nuclear reactors to provide power. However, the difference between um, um, energy uranium and weaponized uranium is like night and day. There's no ways. Britain is now starting to say that, oh, well, no, uh, Iran is about a year from away from making an atomic bomb. lot of rubbish. That's James Hunt, the, the foreign secretary or whatever it is. They call themselves a the foreign minister of the United Kingdom. He says Iran is about a year away from making an atomic bomb. Like, haven't you had enough of that? Tony Blair, Tony Blair, Tony Blair, Tony Blair. Of course, Tony Blair is still a free man. Um, and these people say that they've got rule of law in their countries. Hmm? They say they've got rule of law in their countries and Tony Blair is still a free man. Hmm. Judicial oversight. Have you ever heard of that, United Kingdom? Anyway, so now the United Kingdom is of course chewing on the ankle of Iran while the United States is trying to grab it by the collar. Uh, Well, actually not like making as though it's like reaching a hand for it, but never actually does like reach in hand. The United States very scared of Iran. It's 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 quite it's quite really intriguing to watch, isn't it? Um, but the fact that oil remains high uh, means that markets, and the fact that gold remains high means that markets actually really do see a lot of serious risks as, as stalking values all over the world, stalking profitability and uh, the business environment. Uh, the UK and its allies say they're considering beefing up the military, military presence in the Persian Gulf to deal with the threat to shipping posed by Iran. Hmm. Like, you know, uh, the United Kingdom has gone and um, captured an Iranian tanker. I mean, it sounds to me like the United Kingdom is a better, bigger threat to uh, oil tanker shipping than Iran is. Iran hasn't seized a tanker yet. Um, Egypt has seized a tanker going through the Suez Canal. Mm, that's really interesting. It's a major turnaround by Sisi. Sisi has been uh, trying to avoid like, antagonizing Iran. Apparently, the, the Muslim Brotherhood also has strong uh, Shia roots. Um, I, I can't really speak about that. But uh, if it does, that may be one of the reasons why Al Sisi has held off from antagonizing Iran. But he has, actually, in the last few weeks, he stepped up to the plate, obviously under a lot of pressure from uh, Donald Trump, and uh, they seized an oil tanker uh, not last week, the week before on Friday, as it was moving through the Suez Canal. All of these are very serious, you know. As we say, it just takes one little finger on a button, and suddenly we're in World War Three, and there's no going back. Edgars has got 140,000 jobs on the line, and is about to go under. The unions are terrified, uh, and they th- they threatening all kinds of hell and damnation against uh, the government if the government doesn't sort out a public investment corporation bailout for the clothing retailer. Problem with all of this, you see, is okay. Edgar's got uh, fantastic distribution operations across the country. It's got a whole lot of stores. Um, and today there was like good news in a way of, of, of footgear. Uh, the South African retailer specializing in footgear has announced intention to uh, buy and take over uh, Edgar's active stores and its high key assets, like you know, the, the, the big branches that the wants to leave the chaff for the uh, business rescue practitioner. And, uh, yeah. So, Footgear uh, has announced this deal. I'm not quite sure. I actually haven't seen it. Um, uh, Yeah, okay. They haven't actually seen a price uh, that they say. Um, Yeah, they haven't seen a price. uh, But Old Mutual, which actually owns owns a big share of Footgear and also owns a big share of Edgar's, uh, says that they back the deal. They say it sounds good. Um, So, so, yeah, those Edgar's stores then likely to be going into footwear speciality stores, I suppose. Or it could be that uh, maybe footgear will say, well, you know, um, we do have a clothing presence. Why get rid of it? Uh, We'll just streamline it down to certain kinds of brands um, and uh, then they'll go uh, hand in foot with, uh, with our footgear speciality. So, yeah, that's kind of like good news. Remaining to be seen if the PIC is going to take over, I guess. Um, Dan Matila uh, is, has been adamant, I must say, as, like, coldly, like, I mean, you know, Edgar's shareholder, you'd be frozen to the marrow at the way he was speaking about Edgar's at the PIC inquiry. He said, uh, Despite repeated uh, overtures and approaches from uh, various people to for the PIC to get involved with Edgars, he said, I, I don't want to have an, absolutely nothing to do with it. It is a stinker of a company. It is a stinker of a business. Its business plan is completely flawed. It is a completely messed up plan. Uh, it doesn't have any future. Uh, and, uh, yes, I can understand uh, that it is a whole lot of workers that are there, but this is a company that is never going to get fixed. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, you know, if, if I was had been holding shares in Edgar's, I think um, I would have, well, maybe waited until today and then sold my shares um, because Footgear would have given it a bit of a fillip. Um, let's see. uh we have always liked, says uh, Old Mutual, uh, we have always liked the brand of footwear retail space because we like shoes on our feet, which is a growing market globally as consumers shift away from formal and more inform to more informal and casual wear. Uh, that's uh, Chumani Kula, uh, Old Mutual Private Equities principal investment officer. Uh, he said it's a growing industry that carries certain defensive characteristics which have enabled the industry to grow top line in South Africa even in a constrained economic climate. The deal will give Footgear 180 stores and help it restructure debt after it secured $191 million to recapitalize the business in March. All Mutual Private Equity Unit is uh, part of All Mutual Alternative Investments that manages $4 billion worth of assets in South, West and East Africa. Uh, private equity, that means uh, it's not listed. You know, this is where your billionaires go, your millionaires go. Well, oh, I've got a 10 million rand free here. I can chuck it in the basket there. Let's see what you can do with it. Uh, so it's it's not regulated. It's not uh, very often not listed uh, assets. So uh, Footgear uh, says uh, that uh, it marks a significant uh, milestone in its, in its expansion, uh, after the acquisition of Edgar's active and high-key stores, uh, Footgear says that it will employ more than 1,000 staff members across its national store footprint. Founded in 2001, Footgear's offering includes an array of branded sports, lifestyle, and performance footwear brands, as well as outdoor, casual, and leisure footwear. Uh, the deal will be funded from a 3.7 billion rand fund previously raised by Old Mutual Private Equity. Uh, we've always liked the brand of footwear space which is a growing market globally uh, right he's already said that uh, right right fine okay the deal gives footwear 180 stores okay right so anyway my uh, spouse is heading off to Amsterdam um, it uh, has persistent- it's been persistently valued at less than it's taking 10 cent alright fine okay fine Shifting its shares in the Chinese internet giant to a listed subsidiary in Amsterdam, however, won't make the gap disappear, but it may justify the cost of the reshuffle. As corporate headaches go, Chief Executive Bob Von Dijk is in the nice-to-have category. NASPAS bought a third of Tencent in 2001 for just $31 million. Its stake today is worth $135 billion. Wow, that is a profit. Uh, So it's listed Naspas's value to the point where it accounts for nearly a quarter of the JSE's value. Domestic shareholders are forced to sell to avoid breaching regulatory limits. Right. Now, these are given as reasons why it makes sense for Naspas to, uh, to take all of this money, a trillion rand plus, over to Europe. Why isn't it in, being forced to invest at least like, like half the money, 10% of the money, 25% of the money here in South Africa? Oh, no, we want to take a trillion rand out of the country. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, uh, capital controls in South Africa. Oh, really? Well, you know, I'd, I'd heard that that increases it to 10 million rand a year or something like that. But, you know, there's a big difference between 10 million rands and, and, and a, a trillion rands. You know it seems like you know if you've got ten million rands you want to get out of the country, you've really got to sweat and jump through the loops through the hoops. But if it's a trillion rand, yeah, you can just like you know um i mean if 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 you had the, if you made a trillion rand in two hundred rand notes, how many jumbo jet fools do you think it would take to fly it over to Europe? I wonder if anyone has ever has ever has ever done that. Could a jumbo jet be able to carry a trillion rands with 200 rand banknotes? Well, I imagine it was 10 rand banknotes, and there's absolutely no chance. So, you know, give jumbo a chance. And what are the MAX 737 not going to be taken to the skies anytime soon? They've said uh, 2020 it won't even be in the skies, they're saying. So, uh, yeah, okay. So, you know, how many 737 MAX, if, if they could fly, if they could get off the ground and not crash? How, how many jumbo jets, uh, jumbo seven three seven maxes, could be filled with a trillion rands at two hundred rand banknote denominations? Mm. Well, anyway, okay, let's get back to Naspass. Naspass, uh, you know the, the domestic shareholders say, well, you know, it's it's like you know, it's 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 all. Uh, it's like a quarter of all the value on the JSE or half the value on the JSE, and uh, you know it's being difficult to like quantify exactly what is the value of Nasdaq, and it's always traded at a big discount to the value of its 10 cent shareholding, meaning that Nasdaq is cheaper, is worth less than its shareholding in uh, in 10 cent, um, and and this is causes an anomaly, and so this is why we must take the money over to Amsterdam. That's real Bruderbond logic. Huh? That's like such nonsense logic. I mean, I, I don't see any connections between uh, it is skewing valuations on the JSE from there to okay, we must take the money to to Holland. Where is uh, uh, the, the the causal the, the causal relationship between uh, these two points? I'm afraid that there is most definitely no straight line that I can see joining these two points. If there is a line uh, joining it, then it's uh, it's a line of bull, you know. It's a line of bull that kind of like wanders off my table, dawdles out of the door of the studio. It disappears into the inky blackness that is the night outside because it is in York. I've gone and shorted the wires again here. Um, <clears throat> just a quick update on that. Well, I've spoken to you about our electricity problems here, in extension one, Well, you know, uh, we were told uh, that uh, initially that the, the, um, the metro actually did not have the money available. It's going to cost two million rands to put these cables underground. It's the only way to protect them from these in yoga. Now what is happening is apparently the money has been found. Just goes to show, you know, do a little bit of um, coordination with your local radio stations get a bit of local media involved, phone up a few politicians, and, and make noise, complain, don't shut up about it, get together as a community, work together, and something will happen. Alhamdulillah. Now, uh, not 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 last week, the week before, suddenly a whole lot of uh, gang of guys in you know, overalls arrived. And like within five days they had dug all of the required trenches. And uh, then suddenly they didn't arrive last week. Uh, We were told because the council hadn't paid them. Now, this is a very wily construction company. You see, if you're in construction, you pay your workers weekly and uh, you, you, you go to the council and you say, you tell the council, we want to be paid weekly as well. If you don't pay us every week, our workers are not going to work. So, you know, so this is it's a fantastic way of getting money out of the council, I must say. Is that the first week? Whoops, these guys came. I'll tell you what, I've never seen guys dig in trenches so quickly. Um, it was almost like uh, the trenches appeared almost overnight. Um, so, there, all the trenches were dug, uh, but they hadn't uh, dug up the cement pieces on the people's driveways, though. And uh, then the council didn't pay them. So, last week, no one came to work. Hmm. This week they're all back again. So we must presume that the council has found the money all of a sudden. Uh, you know, so suddenly work not being done, well, that does cat, uh, capture the council's attention. And as a result of all of this, alhamdulillah, we're going to get our underground cables. And the council is going to continue provide, putting power through the streetlights so that uh, the, uh, the community on the other side, they're not going to power the streetlights uh, through underground cables connecting the, the, the lamps to our underground cable, it's now going to be separate. The two lines are now separate. Uh, so the uh, isin Yoga and uh, the, uh, the 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 camp on the other side of the railway line, they're going to be able to continue getting their electricity for free. Council has gone and put in a dedicated underground cable for all of the people, just because they pay their electricity, which is a, which is great because. Um, in uh, the, I think a few weeks ago, I read an article uh, on Pakistan's problems with their division of the electricity producer into distribution, generation, and uh, transmission. And uh, and basically, what starts happening is uh, these three different uh, divisions uh, start refusing to do business with each other because they're not paying each other. You know uh, problems with. Uh, Problems with distribution, that's that's the people in the cities. They don't get paid their money, then they don't pay the transmission guys. Uh, Then the transmission guys, they build up a debt and uh, suddenly they are unable to pay the generation guys. And so then uh, even though people are willing to pay for the electricity, they're not getting the electricity, even though they have paid the electricity, they don't get the electricity because now there's problems with the distribution company and there's problems with the transmission company. And So this is one good way of avoiding all of that, isn't it? Uh, it would appear that uh, Joburg Power recognizes good quality uh, payers. And uh, so they reckon it's worth the money to put in this underground cable, two million rand. Oh, what an extra cost, you know. Countants and auditors will be will be wringing their hands and pulling their hair out. Well, that's all we have time for for today. I'm afraid we didn't even get anywhere near getting through everything. Oh, boy, you know. Jazakum for joining us. I make dua that whatever trade activity you got up to today is profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.